Now, welcome everybody to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian. And today, uh, such a privilege for me uh, to be talking to our guest. We've had her on the show a couple of times, but um, if you are uh, if you are part of a special needs family and you've got a special needs family member or somebody who's had some, some challenges to overcome, today's episode is for you. Um, this conversation is going to be enlightening and inspiring, and if anything, it's going to give you hope that that day of diagnosis is not the end. It's just the beginning and something to go from. So I'm very excited to be talking to our guest. Her name is Joe Quinones. I know her as my oldest daughter, um, and I'm really excited to uh, to share this episode with you here on Just Two Dads. everybody welcome back to episode number 139 of just two dads this is a, a podcast that sean francis and i put together back several years three years ago now was our first episode almost three years ago to the date it'll be august um and we decided to do this to have a conversation because we kept meeting some really interesting folks who are serving the special needs community and those families who have who have issues uh, family members who have certain um need certain accommodations need certain additional help in certain areas um, and there's some great warriors out there um, doing great stuff. So we put together this podcast, uh, again, almost three years ago, and we're excited to have had the guests that we have on it. But I am particularly excited about today's guest because um, it's my oldest daughter. And uh, while that seems like a nepotism thing, when we're talking about nepo kids and everything, I think that the, that the information is going to be valuable. And so I uh, can't wait to get into it. Before we do, want to thank everybody for catching us on Facebook Live, if you're catching us Live, please leave us a comment or uh, say something, say hello, or if there's something you'd like us to talk about. If it's a comment that you'd like us to address on the screen, we'll throw it up on the screen. If you're catching us after the fact on our YouTube uh, channel at Just Two Dads, um, welcome. Please subscribe and leave a message there as well. If you need to reach out to us, send us an email at wearejusttwodads at gmail.com. That's all one word, no dots, no dashes, nothing. We are just TWO, we are just two dads at gmail.com. If you're catching us on podcasts, uh, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever, welcome. Again, please send us a um, note of some kind if you'd like at our Gmail address. And finally, if you're listening to us on WSTX AM radio uh, down in the U.S. Virgin Islands, thank you for making us part of your listening day. We appreciate it. And uh, again, I always say thank you, family. Today's, a, today's extraordinary because I actually get to say thank you. Thank you and welcome to my family member, uh, my lovely daughter, Jordan. Um, this has been a, and we're going to throw it over to Sean here in just a second, but I just wanted to acknowledge this has been um, a couple of weeks of um, mixed emotions. Um, I, For those that do not know, I recently uh, lost my mother. She passed away a couple of weeks ago. And so been dealing with the, you know, the, the fallout of all of that. And while that has been sad and tragic, the what has arisen out of the ashes of that or at the same time that's actually something that should be celebrated is that my daughter jordan has graduated with an undergraduate degree in educational studies and that is what we are celebrating today we're going to get into more details about that and so thank you for for hanging with us and being a part of this and uh, i think this is going to be a really great conversation it may get emotional i don't know we'll see knowing sean and i we wear our emotions on our sleeves so so it's very possible that that could happen. In the meantime, I'm going to throw it over to Sean to say hello, and then Joe, we're going to get into this in just a second. 
Sean, I love, I do love your t-shirt. It is a, you know, we're talking about autism speaks and so. I don't know if he froze there on purpose or I think he actually, wow. No. No, his hand is blurry. So he really did freeze there. So he'll be back like any second. Um, <laughs> anyway, to that, there it goes. This is, this wasn't a planned endorsement. Just happened to be what I, you know, had on. We we're more live than you might realize when, when, the way that we do this show. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to today's show because I'm looking forward to, uh, learning. And what's interesting is, you know, Brian said to me, um, Hey, I know, um, the perfect guest that we should have on this girl that graduated college, um, um, and blah, blah, blah. And I forgot exactly how he worded it, but it, it was at the end of the text that I realized that he was referring, uh, referring to Jordan. And so it made me stop and think about, um, and I'm weird and cerebral this way. It doesn't mean that I'm bright, just means I'm strange. Um, but I started thinking of what we know of ourselves and what we think we know of other people. Like we've talked about this on the show before. There are things that are obvious um, about Jordan and what Brian and Jordan's mom um, have prepared her for in terms of overcoming odds and obstacles and all that kind of stuff. And as familiar as I am with that, I had no idea that Jordan was even taking any college courses or anything like that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, rather than assume that you know Jordan's story and everything, I think because uh, perseverance is the topic of the day and uh, something which she is the epitome of, I think we're going to um, cover the entire thing. And I think if you, if you're a parent of anyone that has had, had a diagnosis, we're very familiar with um, what they tell you on the day of diagnosis in terms of what your child will not do. I've never heard, I know it exists, but I've never heard anyone say, well, the doctor did say that this might be possible. We could do this. This might happen. That might happen. They seem to be a lot more um, uh, adept at telling you what won't take place. And I gained some understanding listening to a podcast of our friend Ed Milet uh, the other day's most recent episode where his guest that was on is a survivor of, uh, of, of cancer. And she mentioned, you know, when a doctor is giving a diagnosis, uh, what your chances are for survival, what your chances are for quality of life and things that you, they've been trained to do that essentially, you know, so there's a, you have this long history of telling many people. And so there's a challenge to treat people as individuals. So one of the lessons that's already going to be present is, um, you know, teaching your loved one about can thinking can yourself as opposed to cannot and what will and will not happen. But welcome to the show, Joe Quinones. Again. Thank you. Um, go ahead. Go. What were you going to say? No, nothing. Um, no, I have nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think we should. I want to start with your dad. Start with Brian only because, you know, Brian, tell me if you tell us if you can from a collective standpoint. I know you have we've touched on this somewhat, but Jordan's mom, your ex-wife, you talk about what you each brought to the table as individuals that determined how you responded to what didn't seem quote unquote normal with Jordan, where diagnosis or suspicion was into play. And then Jordan will move into how, what you remember from your earliest memories of what's different or what was supposedly different about you and then work our way right into 
where you are now. And I have to, I have to admit, I'm resisting the temptation to just jump into skip that. Tell us about it, like right now. But we need to know how you got there and give people a chance to potentially be inspired to figure out how they can get from point A to point B, especially if the B is something they're not even thinking of or didn't think was possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll go first only because, and I don't know what's going on with my internet access today. I seems to be kind of going in and out. So, so bear with me if you if I get stuck, pick it up for me. Um, but uh, you know, my mother noticed that uh, that you know it's it seemed to her that that Jordan was um, not as an eighteen month old was not doing what eighteen month old month old children do. Um, I didn't believe it, and so I'm like, oh, excuse my mom, but then. Um, so we went to a hearing, she's maybe there's something with Jordan's hearing. Um, and we went to a hearing institute and her hearing was perfect. And they said, well, you know, if you're concerned, go to a neurologist. We went to a neurologist and within a couple of minutes of looking at Jordan, holding her hands, have her stand on one foot and then the other, she literally just went around the desk and just started typing her, di her diagnosis and speaking it out loud as if we were in a clinician's, you know, like a class and all of the things. And she's like, you know, exhibits of brachia, microcephaly and all these words that didn't mean anything. And I remember saying like, what are you talking? Can you please give us, what are you saying? And then she said, well, here's the reality. Children who have this experience, it's a little developmental delay. Um, microcephaly means small head, which means the brain is not developing in the same way that, you know, on a normal scale. And so she, what that means is she probably is going to need assisted living her whole life. She probably will not graduate from, from high school. She tough for her to have a job, um, tough for her to, you know, to, to do, you know, to, to do all that, you know, be in a relationship. She'll need assisted living her whole life. Like all of these things that, um, that all the limitations of what she was going to do. And so to your, answer your question specifically, Sean, I will tell you, and I will cop to this. I was in denial. I was like, I'm not, I don't believe any of this and gals are whack and, you know, forget this. But really, Jordan's mom was like, well, let's, what do we need to do? Let's get to it. Let's get going. Um, and uh, she started to be a warrior mom. And you know, we looked up microcephaly online. We found an online support group that was kind of global. And we learned a lot of things like about the regional center and support areas. And, you know, we got her into an early intervention program at UCLA where they taught her how to communicate in ways that were, you know, not the normal verbal written kinds of things, like cues and pictures and other things. She learned how to do sign language. And we joke about it all the time because I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah, there it is. She would end every sentence with um, what her favorite signs were, which was, do it again, Joe. Do I don't remember. Again. I think it's cow, cow. cow. duck, and duck. then like pig. I think I think it's pig. Like, pig. yeah, some like, I don't even remember what they were, but she would say something like, like more cheese, please, cow, duck, pig. It was just adorable, right? But it was communication. And most children, the, the reason why they, they, they the, the period of time is called terrible twos is that Kids are know that there's a way they can understand and they know that they can communicate, but they, they're frustrated by their lack of ability to communicate what they need. And so they have these tantrums and they're called terrible twos. So that was our issue. And we kind of took it on uh, head on and just started putting her into environments where she could have some success. Again, like communication and other things. And, and so, you know, we put her in a bunch of different schools throughout her, her K through 12 learning to give her a chance to have success, a private school, 
a public school, a charter school, homeschooling, like we tried a bunch of things. Um, I will say this, Jordan did not, was not like she took it all on. She didn't like some of it, but she took it all on. Joe, did you like homeschooling? No, but hated I did it. it. Oh, I hated and did it. it. And, and then for context, so for context, Brian, to let everybody know, yeah. because I always, you know, we always say, and this is what I appreciate about you. Well, one of the many things, which is why we're friends and family, which is that the further back you go in time to a child's diagnosis or to one's diagnosis, the more of a warrior that parent is required to be because there are less resources available, less knowledge, and probably a whole lot more judgment too. So Tell us what we're talking about in terms of time frame, because of you know Jordan's age now. You know what you know what, what we're talking about. I yeah, Jordan. So Jordan. Sorry. Yeah, good job. I was um so I was um homeschooled in sixth grade, so that'll be like twelve. So. So she's today she's twenty seven, and the original <laughs> diagnosis was at about between eighteen months and two years. So we're talking okay. about twenty five years of having to seek out resources and having to seek out solutions and having to seek out. But today, thankfully, with the internet, by the way, back in the internet days, like searching for what microcephaly, I, I used something called Prodigy. So if you're old enough to remember the early days of the internet, I'd use Prodigy to find an online support group. Um, today, there are so many more resources available. Back at the time, like we didn't have anything. We had to rely on, you know, experts that we found along the way to give us the support and parents that had been through it and could explain to us what it all meant. But again, right. I give credit to Jordan's mom. She, you know, she was out front. She was an advocate. She went to all of our IEP meetings. She found the best, you know, the best advocates for us at the time. And honestly, I will say this. Jordan learned how to be a, how to advocate for herself. Jordan learned how to be a self-advocating. And a lot mm -hmm. of times she sought out things to make her life easier along the way. So listen. I, you and I could talk about this, you know, on a day when we don't have a lot of guests. So, you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's have, so we, I just give context. So people have an understanding from a parent's perspective. And I will say this for, you know, all parents of children who have, you know, who have, you know, some sort of issue or, or, or need some sort of accommodation, like don't take, don't accept everything at face value. Like, you know, mm -hmm. this, Sean, like we have to, like somebody tells us something like if it doesn't make sense, then we we can not accept it. You don't have to accept it. You can challenge question it. it. And we did Doctors a lot of that. people question it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. What I wanted to what I wanted to ask. And again, here's where values coming in. I didn't expect to get it. Jordan, you said you really disliked being homeschooled. I know that I have a cousin who's um, who has, uh, I think, five, maybe six kids. Um, and one of them is on the spectrum and he's now 20 um, or 21, and, but all of the kids were homeschooled. So for anybody that's thinking about that, from your perspective and what you remember, tell us what you did not like about being homeschooled. Yeah. I did online schooling now. So that, so there's two different things. So when, you know, when you're in middle school, like the first year of middle school, you want to be with all your friends. You want to, you know, I was in a tutoring center doing online school. So it was a very different thing. Like we got somebody from New Orleans who I didn't really know. Like my homeschooling wasn't at home. So it was a very different, mm. it was a very different setting than being at home on a computer. I was in a tutoring center for a full day. And like, I mean, it was not the greatest, but so that was, that was then. 
now I did online college and loved it because now I can go to work full day and then go home and do homework, but I made my own schedule. I would definitely, I mean, and COVID hit. So we, no matter what, homeschooling had to be a thing because schools were even closed during COVID. So I right. actually fell more in love with it because it was more convenient then because you had to be home no matter what we liked or mm. not liked about it. So right. I would say, if I mean, in with the school districts now, I would say homeschooling is a better option only because there are more needs of being a teacher. And I would love to be teaching online because it's a better situation compared to going to school because the school districts now are very different than he now than it was back then when I was in school. So mm. I would advocate definitely if you want to be staying at home, if it's easier for you and your lifestyle. Yes, I would definitely advocate. So to, your, the, to your that, point, back yeah, in the cool. back in the day, right in fifth, sixth grade, social, the, the, what's missing when you're homeschooled or one on one schooling is the social aspect of school which is more important, you know, when you're in middle school and you're younger. And that was, I think, your biggest challenge, right? You would say that, like, like you missed the social aspect of I it. I missed the social part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and now today, post-pandemic, a lot of people are like, uh, I'm okay without <laughs> the social <laughs> aspect of school and the crazies yeah. of school. So it's an interesting distinction. I like that you made that. that but like 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 most things that, that, that we talk about, you know, it's very – it's subjective because there's some people, like for me personally – I have what I now see as a very selfish perspective when COVID hit and homeschooling began, everything was, was virtual. I was like, I'm not, I don't have to take the kids to school. I can kind of get up exactly when I want and work my way around those things. But the kids really missed being in school. So when it comes to a decision as to whether or not that's right for you, anybody listening, you have to make sure that it is just that right for you and arrive at your own conclusion uh, after considering both sides of all those things. Yeah. And listen, I think socialization for kids in school is, you know, it's important, but it also um, it, it's it's interesting because girls in school and in middle school, there seems to be a lot of competition, you know, and I remember when mm -hmm. we had Jordan in her, um, we had Jordan in a uh, in a private in a private school. Um, we had to gather the parents around and have a conversation about how the girls were kind of mean to one another, <clears throat> you know, and so there's a, there's a little bit of a, of a challenge that, you know, that, and if you've got, you know, either a learning disability or some other challenge, the socialization impact is, is significant. And so, you know, being able to, to, to kind of navigate through those waters. So uh, when we had Jordan in a charter school, we had some great families and great people involved in it. That socialization issue where the girls were competing against one another was a challenge for Jordan. And so we felt that that, by the way, also, private schools while they say that they that they can serve you know a larger the larger spectrum of learners the reality is they don't they don't really service those on the outlying they try to serve the you know the middle the middle of the road so that would was a, was a challenge too so but here's the thing the every time we made a change to Jordan's schooling situation she went with it and by the way in some cases it exposed all the <laughs> the negative things that had had to do with those, you know, with those situations, you know, the, those yeah. schooling situations. So it was a good chance for us to really learn through Jordan's eyes what the what the challenges were. And so, Joe, so of all of your experiences at school, let me, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll just, just ask this one question. What, what, 
what what was the best experience for you in your schooling? Like, can you, if you could pick out what you what your favorite period of schooling was? What up through up through high school, not not the current stuff, but just just to get through that. No, yeah, I, I've the the thing that I think really saved me throughout school were the teachers. I've met some amazing, amazing teachers who has inspired me to be wanting to be the teacher. I always want to be a teacher in third grade, but having those, like having those inspirations in my life has definitely made a factor of the student I am today and the teacher I am today and the parent I am today is because of those interactions that the teachers have had made for me in my life. I have two very distinct teachers who I will always think today, I talked to one of them, um, but I have always will dedicate my hard work to them. It was Jackie Fortamoris and John Marcus, who was my sixth grade science and history teacher. And Jackie was my second grade teacher. And I will say, even after second grade, Jackie was always there with me throughout my elementary school. Because I haven't left. I was always there from second. I was I left during half of fifth, came back in fifth, but she was always there for me, guiding me into the direction like, hey, you're going down this bad path. Come back to this path because you're not you're going down the wrong one. And she helped me guide there. She didn't have to. But mm-hmm. she wanted to, and that definitely was like, what an inspiration to have that kind of teacher in my life. Okay, so if you both can, then, um, and, and great props, teachers are as uh, as needed as they are uh, unsung and underappreciated uh, everywhere, sure. um, general education and, and special. So tell us, if you will, between the two of you then about, you know, the path going from that to middle school to then high school and and, and beyond. Ooh, Whichever school. one of you wants to. What take a that. trip! <laughs> did, did you go to a different? Did you go to one high school or a different school? Oh no, I went to three different high schools. Uh, well, one of them wasn't really. I mean, it was a high school. It was definitely online high school for twelfth grade. But I was in a facility for twelfth grade. Um, after an incident that happened in eleventh grade. Um, but so I went to one high school in ninth grade. That was the public school. Something happened really, really tragic to me. So I was not safe anymore. So I had to move out to a public, to a private school. Sorry. So then the private school, I was there from 10, 11th grade. But because I wanted to want to fit in so badly, I was meeting with the wrong crowd at the end of 11th grade which led me to a bad path, which got me into the facility in 12th grade. Um, but so let I'm me not- just clarify that, Joe, if you, yeah, and right. so I want you to finish this. I don't want you to finish this thought, but, but the biggest challenge that we have with our children, by the way, neurotypical children as well, mm-hmm. in, in the public schools, especially if you live in a large city like Los Angeles, where it's kind of, you have kind of a mixed bag, you know? And so the challenge that we had in, in middle school was that um, the folks that had learning disabilities and learning challenges were lumped together. And so it didn't matter if that was a behavioral issue or a medical issue. 
right? Mm -hmm. You were put in the same group. So a lot of times, mm -hmm. so for, for, for parents who have children and you're thinking about trying to mainstream your, your, your child, the biggest challenge you have is safety and security for your child. Um, and then hoping that your child can learn how to distinguish safe from unsafe situations. And a lot of times, as you know, and again, I'll say this with neurotypical kids, a lot of times you get in with a group of friends or people who accept you because social acceptance is such a big thing that you'll do what the group is doing just because it's a way to fit in. And if they accept you, you feel like you're part of part of a group. The challenge mm -hmm. is if you're dealing with children who are in a situation because of behavioral issues, certain behaviors, bad behaviors can become the thing. And if that's the acceptance. So, by the way, the middle school process, what happened to Jordan in middle school was something that every every parent you know fears which is you know sort of a, a sexual harassment kind of a situation in school where children don't understand the the boundaries yet of what's acceptable and unacceptable behavior and so we had a couple of issues that we had to deal with in the in middle school um and then in high school you know that we had a couple of different options of places to go we put her in a in a school that was for children that had you know, learning issues. It was specifically a school that dealt with folks had special needs, but also included people who could not be mainstream. Sometimes you'd have people who would go away into a program like an outward bound and then come back. And rather than going to a mainstream school, they would come into this environment. And so again, you had, you had smaller classrooms, more focused teaching time, but you'd also have kids that were mixed in that had behavioral issues as well as, you know, those who were having you know, learning, learning issues. And so, um, you know, our biggest concern as parents were, can Jordan distinguish a safe environment from an unsafe environment? And mm -hmm. as she was getting older and, you know, what happens is our children get older and hormones kick in and other things happen. Our concern for her was more about her safety and being able to distinguish that between good and bad environments. And so, when we say we put her in a facility, we put her in a in a in a um, in a program that was all you know all women, and it was a small facility in in Utah with a small group of 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 girls. They learned, you know, about environment, accountability, at self advocacy, a lot of that stuff. Also, a tough environment to be in, but you know, a safe environment at least from our perspective. And so, Joe, I'm sorry that I kind of again I just sort of gave context, but. But I, I just want, you know, I, I, you know, when people say, oh, it was in a facility, it was a facility, it was a program that was designed to help people with learning challenges, or they couldn't be, for whatever reason, being in a mainstream school was not an option, right, for mm -hmm. a whole variety of reasons. And without getting into any details, you know, there are some, you know, famous folks who have been in, an, in a situation that was very high profile and very public those folks could not go into a mainstream school. They had to go into a program that was contained. That's the kind of program that Jordan, that Jordan was in. So mm. did I, did I articulate that correctly, Joe? Is that pretty yeah. much, I don't speak okay. a lot for you. I don't no, mean to. I, that's just the life that I just don't like to relive because it's always been in my mind. And it's just, you know, it's just the path past that I just rather not keep revisiting, but it's always going to be in my mind. So it's just always disturbing to always hear about it. <laughs> so considering that in terms Sorry. of, in, in terms of moving, then that's, that's 11th grade, right? 
11 and 12. 11 and 12. All right. So then tell us about then 12th and like graduation. Like you're always thinking like we're kind of thinking right now, like we have one program in mind for Elijah. He's going into 12th grade next month, which is still insane to think of. But the, the thought is always, okay, what happens after graduation? And what kind of conversation did you guys have? Especially, you know, we can't contain ourselves. Jordan, like I said, at the beginning of the show, Jordan graduated college. I didn't even know she was taking college courses. Upon getting into, you know, 12th grade, are you thinking, let's get through 12th grade and we'll see what's possible after that? Or are you thinking no, about what you're to going to do that. after that? No, I just wanted okay. to get out of that facility. <laughs> that was okay. my thing in 12th grade was let me just do whatever I can to finish that school. Because mm-hmm. I didn't care about the facility anymore. I just cared about finishing my degree. To get out right. of there. Um, right. Okay. So I was like, I finished in March. I left in June. So mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it was great. I had a great volunteering. I learned how to take care of myself. I learned how to cook. I learned how to like really clean, clean. Cause I never really had that luxury. Like, you know, so life skills. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. definitely had a lot of that. Exactly. Which was great. Um, but then I'm like, well, I finished school. I learned the most life skills I need. There's nothing really there for me. Let me get out. So once I left, I started college kind of quickly, which was great. I mean, I definitely got some college credit, but then I was just out of this facility back into uh, the real life. And it was a lot for me. It was overwhelming. I took a few classes, but then I kind of, I don't know, lost my way, I guess. And then I found the business that, which is what led me to being where I am today, honestly. So, yeah. so, so do we just to clarify that for folks? So, so the great thing is that Jordan, you know, was looking at jobs and looking at, at, at things to do, um, started selling knives for Cutco. A lot of Cutco likes to, to recruit kids out of high school and give them an opportunity. And and by the way, if anybody has purchased a Cutco knife, first of all, lifetime warranty, I'm not selling Cutco. But the great thing about it, amazing about it is that she was able to sell $3,000 sets of knives. Like, I, I don't. And so I had just started the financial services business, the one that where I met Sean Francis, and I was listening to Jordan sell her Cutco knives. And I thought, my gosh, this girl can sell anything. First of all, we haven't even done it proper service. Like you're so outgoing and gregarious and loving and you smile a lot and you laugh a lot. And there's things about you that are just so endearing. People love to help you and love to do things um, with you for you. And so I had said to you, Hey, why don't you, you know, come this business with me and help me, you know, sell like insurance products and financial services and that type of thing. It requires a license by the way requires a license by the state that you're in. And so Jordan started to study for that. And and the thing about that environment was it was a great family environment. It was great. Um, it was great to get support. It was great to have to feel like there's additional family there. And that's what was was really amazing. And, and actually, it's what led Sean and I to begin this path of serving the special needs community. Because I had said to Jordan and one of our other teammates, if you can find your community that you can serve, it makes it easier for us to do the things that we do. And Jordan's like, well, what about my community, Dad? And that's when we started to look at offering financial products and services to the special needs community and those families. 
And then we met Sean. I knew Sean had a son on the autism spectrum. And so we said, you know, Jordan and I were like, let's, how do we put this thing together? Let's do this thing. I'm like, oh, I don't know if Sean's been here a long time. Let's talk to Sean about how he's done this. And so that began our foray into serving special needs community and which led to this podcast. So Jordan, like you really were like the inspiration for all the work that we do now with special needs families and, you know, the instigator of this podcast and everything that we do in special needs. So you, and it's evident of, of the impact that you have on people, which is why I, I, I love it so much. So you, you did that for a little while, a couple of years, and then you moved to upstate New York. And we could talk about the insurance stuff, but we don't have to. We can move into well, that. Well, as- I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You know, yeah, that, you do. That it. did yeah. start the perseverance. That did start <laughs> for sure. really the whole conversation of perseverance and going back to college. You know, because you had to study, you had to study for that license, right? <laughs> and you had to pass the exam. And I had, took it, you know, X amount of times, but <laughs> I did it. I never gave up. And I'm like, wow, this really opened my eyes to if I could do that, I could do anything. Like it really opened oh, up my world. 100%. Yeah. By mm-hmm. the way, to your point, it doesn't <laughs> matter how many times you take the exam. If you pass it, you pass it. Right. right. If you got like they required you to get 60%. If you got 60% or you got 99%, the doesn't certificate matter. was the same. The yep. license is the same. And so it didn't really matter. Is and, and you did not give up. And there were times that you missed passing it by mm-hmm. one question or two questions. Right. And so you yep. did not give up. And that's why where you got kind of the name Queen of Perseverance, because you didn't. And I love the fact that you, you're right. Like that was the inspiration for you to go. If I can do this, maybe my dream of becoming a teacher and going and get my undergraduate degree and my licensing credential for being a teacher is possible. Right. So you move back to New York and then and what happened in New York? You you because you because all mean, of the things that the neurologist told you that you weren't going to do. Yeah. So right? I moved on to my own. Well, I was I moved out at 19, but I really got my like very own first apartment in upstate New York um, back in May of 2018. Met my now husband in July. So actually our five where, years. Where did you meet him? Where where'd you at meet him? I work in Starbucks. <laughs> so you're working for Star. So you're living on your own. You're working in Starbucks. Were you walking or taking the bus? How were you getting there? I was taking the bus. All right. But you got your driver's license at some point, right? My driver's license in September of 2018. And so you're and none, so none you're of those driving. things are supposed to happen. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. So um and then right. met somebody. I met somebody during work. Yep. Um, back at, so it was in July, got my license in September, moved him in, and then got engaged in March of 2019. It was very quick. <laughs> and then it was like eight years. Or no, sorry, it was eight months. And then after that, I got married in June of 2020 in COVID. During COVID. And now. I got married, so. Yeah, All no. of those things that we were told when you were 18 months old that you would never do, you did. And I started college. Graduated, graduated high school and then back up, but back up. You met him. He has a child. He does so have a child. Still, so you became a stepmom. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, yeah. 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 And those are so yeah. you're just talking about these things. So then the question 
you know, you can start asking yourself is, well, what else is there that you're going to accomplish that not only Docker said you couldn't, but what else are you going to accomplish that it just doesn't seem to make sense based on the things they thought you couldn't do? So there's so much inspiration and lesson in this for anybody that you're um, that, that that's listening, whether you're catching us live or after the fact, you know, start to think about, well, what if, you know, we always say that there's something that's so great to think about. You know, you can say, how come and why me? And some things really you know, constitute a question like that, depending on what somebody's going through. But when you start to just simply, they, they say that what, what happens to us is important, but what's twice as important is how we respond to it and the value we put on it. So if you start asking things like, well, wouldn't it be great when? Wouldn't it be great if? Two of the most powerful words in the in in, in human existence, depending on how they're used, are what and if. And these are the, the best examples of those being used appropriately to serve people. I- Joe, listen, I I love to tell your story because people look at that date of diagnosis almost, I hate to use the term, almost like a death sentence. Yeah. Like the, the, what died is their dream of what they thought their parenting and what was available for their child. And, it, and sometimes that kills hope as well. And the great thing about your story and one of the reasons why I love to to share it is your life is not like carefree. It's not without challenges. Like you have challenges, right? But we all have challenges. We all have to overcome. As Sean says all the time, a special need is not really a need, anything different than what we all need. Just in certain areas, we need a little bit more. We have need a little bit more help and a little bit more support. What you've overcome is everybody deals with it, whether you're neurotypical or you have learning challenges. The fact that you continue to persevere and you continue to find the light. Just so you know, you being on this podcast today, after successfully completing your B, you have a a Bachelor of Arts in Educational Studies, it provides hope for people. Like what you've done, and I know you're in the middle of it, and you're like, ah, I got another, I got to take a couple more tests, and I still got all these, you know, challenges still ahead of me, but... But, you know, which is what I want you to keep looking forward. But just so you know, the path that you've just traveled is a path of hope for other people because they don't know what is possible for their children. They don't know what their children are capable of doing other than what doctors have told them. And you've broken every barrier that the doctor put in front of us as a family. You've broken through all of that. And, you know, I'm proud of you for the work that you're doing. And and again, luckily... (laughs) We talk every day, um, literally every day. And uh, and you continue to push and, you know, try to make your life better and make your situation better. And I'm, I'm just I'm proud of you for doing for doing the work because I can't advocate for you as much. We're three thousand miles away. And while I can do some stuff, you really have become a self advocate. And now you're teaching, so you're contributing to the lives of children as well, which we need so, so badly. And so, you know, just want you to know, I'm proud of you. I think you're doing amazing. Thank you. Uh, I know know we talked about it earlier, but I am going to be starting my master's in November. All right. (laughs) I'm I'm not stopping. I'm going to take a break from school. I know, I know, but here's the thing. I'm such on a roll and I already have all the information so fresh. Look, 
I get it. But I'm just saying it, there is hope out there. Again, as a parent, I can only give you, you know, input at some point. Like you're an adult now and you're making those decisions. I'm, I'll, I'll support you whatever you decide to do, whatever that whatever that looks like. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm proud of you. And, and, you know, because we've succeeded doesn't mean that we're still not dealing with certain challenges and having to overcome mm -hmm. you know, certain things. We all do. And, and our kids will do that. And it doesn't matter, uh, neurotypical or not. I still get calls from Jordan's sister, Gabby, who now lives in Tel Aviv at the age of 24. And so she'll still she'll call me with challenges that she has. And she's, you know, so our kids don't overcome dealing with challenges as a you know, my mom mm -hmm. just recently passed. I have a bunch of stuff that I've got to go through and, you know, dealing with all that, even up to adult through adulthood, we have challenges and we need, you know, to, to remember that our children are not, they are not their diagnosis. They are who they are as people. They're not their diagnosis and they're definitely not their prognosis. Exactly. Sean, I, exactly. I've kind of taken this over. I know that you've no, 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 no. That's okay. But even even when it comes to our, our our achievements, you know, those things aren't who we are. You know, right. sometimes we we you know we we lose sight of those things. And Joe, I want to you know commend you also for being able to identify momentum because it sounds like you're almost. Uh, I don't afraid probably isn't the right word, but you're kind of like okay, so I've got this done. I don't want to put my feet up, you know, let me give myself a little, you know, clap and applause right here. But, it, you know, you don't, it sounds like you don't want to necessarily, you're thinking of your masters because you're like, I don't want to sit back, relax, and then try to start pushing the boulder up the hill again. And there's something to be said for that, just in terms of success sure. and personal development, which we are, you know, tremendous students of, which is people that are su successful and fulfilled because success and fulfillment are two different things. That's the reason why you have people that have a whole lot of material things and are tremendously unhappy. People that have fulfillment tend to have a higher degree of happiness. And one of the best ways to get to that, if you are on the path towards any kind of goal or um, completing something is to have coordinated work rest periods. I don't, you know, I've heard people say that balance is a misnomer there isn't a such thing as balance it's just choices that you make you're going to give up some time here with family to then have this later on whatever the case might be but either way you're talking about work rest balance these are the times when you're going to focus at work you know you you rest long enough to acknowledge what you've done but know that you want to accomplish more so without sacrificing the things around you as both a stepmom and a wife um then you're going to you know zone right in and continue to get to that point. Now, this might be tough to answer because it's further down the road, but I can't resist asking because I'm just curious about it. What do you think you might want to do then after your master's? It's like, okay, I've, I've, I've broken the tape on, on that race. Now what's next? And if you don't know, that's there's no wrong answer for that. I'm just curious. Well, I'm actually thinking about becoming a teacher at the call, at the university that I'm I'm going to school for. I okay. want to help students like me because if I could do that, I could be like, I've been in your shoes. I know what you're going through. I see what you're struggling in. Let's see how I can help you. Mm -hmm. So I would love to work in the same university or right. I would love to, I don't know, keep teaching that I'm doing now. I'm kind of already teaching as it is. So mm -hmm. just keep going. But if I can go work in a new university online, why not? Yeah, you could do that and you could start something of 
your own, so to speak, because there's a lot of people that have courses. There's a lot of people in the personal development space that teach people about how to, uh, they have programs that, you know, you can earn an in, or earn a living sharing with people what it is that you know. And in those cases, they're talking about life experience. But if you're talking about life experience, credentials, and academia as well, having those three things, you could put a curriculum together that, you know, and this is just me talking off the top of my head, that helps people get from point A to point B. And those are things that can be broad that inspires people that have diagnoses and things that they're not supposed to be able to overcome. But then there's also inherent value in someone that is quote unquote neurotypical and trying to accomplish something that they thought they couldn't do. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely doable. If you put your mind to it, if anybody puts their mind to it, no matter the disability or not, you can always mm-hmm. achieve it. You just can't quit. Yeah. Cause that's oh, Quitting is not going to go, not going to take you anywhere. Trust oh, me. No. I speaking of experience of wanting to quit both with the <laughs> life insurance and in school, I mean, as an advocate, like, don't quit because I never knew I was going to have a license or my degree. I saw a post the other day that said, you know, um, it, it. I turned it into a question and I was reposting it, but it said, nobody um, judges you more harshly than you judge yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. and we don't usually even think about that. We don't realize we're just so busy doing what we do, being who we are, going about our way. That's why there's so much value in raising our consciousness, thinking about what we think about. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think the other thing is that so many people get caught up in living into what other people say, you know, for them or how other people judge them or how other people, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to do this. You're not going to be that. You're too short to play basketball. You're too small to play baseball. You're too, right. You're, 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 you don't have enough degrees to teach. Like all those limitations that other people put on, which is their own baggage. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will live down to that level because they don't believe that they're capable of, of doing anything. Some people will exactly. live into their diagnosis and that is not, that doesn't define you. And I think that one thing, you know, I love about, you know, where Jordan's been is a, is that all of her accomplishments. Listen, when I turned 50 years old, I put a list together because I did a big party and all the 50 things that people don't know about me at 50 years old. And I was thinking about all the things that I had done at 50 Jordan's got a list of things that she's done at 27 that, you know, kind of make mine look like, you know, a joke. Honestly, mm-hmm. like she has continued to persevere and continue to succeed and continue to achieve and continue to, to, to grow. And again, I had said to her, oh, are you sure you want to go get your master's? You've been in school for a long time. I'm the one. And so I'm like, ah, and then I realized, too, I'm like, do what you want to do, because why should she live into what my expectations are for her? She's already exceeded every expectation to date. What- exactly. Exactly. What's my limitation? You know, it's my issue. I, I want her to have success. And if, if, if getting your master's degree, babe, is going to be the thing that gets you to that next to that next level of success. God, what a great uh, it's just another great story of perseverance. Exactly. You could write your own book. Hey, you could develop your own curriculum, as Sean said. It's brilliant. Most definitely. Hey, look, the way that we see the world, right, is but a thing. The way that we see other people is yet another thing. Right. But the way that we see ourselves is everything. And that just that, and that encompasses everything. It doesn't, you know, it's not it's not limited to special needs, it's not limited to race, gender, uh, sex, age, or anything. 
you know yeah. and in case anybody's wondering where that came from not that i ever toot my own horn i i actually was crazy enough to think that one day or have it visit me you know because and it's because like i've always said you know we always need to make sure that we're cleaning our mirror like operating from objective reality there's some of us that look in a mirror and see things that aren't never there and we think of ourselves as 10 times greater than we are if we happen to have a big head and ego but more often than not even for those people there's such a high level of insecurity that what we usually see is a diminished version of what's really there and what's really possible and that i just that applies to any and everyone and that's why that's also why we need each other because you need to remind people of the greatness that's within them yeah i was i was thinking to piggyback back on that like i think other perspectives that they had for me I think motivated me more to being like, that's what you think of me. Let me prove to you that I'm different or I'm not the way you think. And to prove to myself that I can do it because I had a lot of doubt that my dad is my number one believer because he believed in me before I could believe in myself. But I'm like, oh, you think I can't do this or my ability is going to be less because I have this disability then let me prove to you and surprise myself that I can do it. Cause I never thought I was going to have this degree. I really didn't. I, that's kind of why I had to get the, my bachelor's in study because I didn't think I can actually handle getting my license. Then now that I can prove it to myself, I can get my degree. That's why I need to go for master's to get that license, to get that license, to be a teacher, even in out of New York, I can do it now anywhere with that license. That's where I was reaching for that master. So not only can I teach in New York, but once I get that license, I could teach anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my fantastic. goal is to travel while I'm so, I love it. And and as we say always at this point in the show, we're like, this hour goes by so fast. And we're having, a, you know, such a cool conversation. Um, Sean asks all of our guests this question. I think we've asked it to you before because you've had been on our show before, but I don't think with the kind of impact that today's episode uh, <laughs> carries with it. Um, so we're going to ask you this one again. So if, if you've already answered, or maybe you have a different answer for it today, Sean, mm -hmm. go ahead and ask us, ask Jordan the question that we ask at the end of uh, the end of episode. So I, I want to hear it. Yeah. Especially in this context now, after the, today's conversation, our ability to change the world is always dependent upon our willingness or our ability to change ourselves. So based on that and considering the conversation we've had today and everything you've been through, give us just one example of a thought or a belief that you once felt really strongly, but now no longer believe to be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think everything. I mean, I think that I didn't believe in getting my license or my degree that that's mm -hmm. no longer a store that's no longer true or that's no longer my truth i could mm -hmm. literally put my mind to literally anything and i know i can accomplishment because if i haven't been able to accomplish the last two biggest things in my life then what good was that for mm -hmm. i love that i yeah. love that it's fantastic yeah, it's beautiful. Not restricted by the limitations that other people put on ourselves and not believing the, our own self-limiting beliefs, our own self-limitations. And that's really what that question evokes is because a lot of times when we're younger we, we or when we're in a different mode, 
we have these self-limiting beliefs. And if you feel strongly about them, you know, it's tough to let them go. But it's great that if you can acknowledge, I used to believe this and now I, I don't or I believe this now. That's it's very it's very freeing. So, Joe, I love you and I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of all of your accomplishments. And, you know, again, in light of what, you know, our family has been going through the last, you know, the last couple of weeks. We have a memorial for my mom on Friday and, you know, all the challenges that come with, you know, family dynamics. Um, I'm proud of you for what you've done. And by the way, um, your success and your accomplishment is definitely something to be celebrated. I definitely don't lump it in with, you know, the passing of, you know, of my mom. They're not the same thing. They just coincidentally happened around the same time. But your success and your um, your accomplishing your degree stands alone and, you know, is something to be celebrated. And so we're going to do our best to celebrate that as much as we possibly can. Um, so just know that. And uh, and I'm proud of you. And as we're, we're wrapping up our our episode today, thank you, by the way, for giving us the time and for doing this, you know, again at this particular time. Um, and I always tell people, you know, today, uh, well, always love and empathy is is something that we need. You know, if you see a situation that you don't quite understand, don't be judgmental. Have some empathy. You don't know what the person's going through. Uh, and if you look at the at the world through lenses of love, you know that you are going to have an amazing experience of life itself. So love everybody and uh, have some empathy. And uh, Joe, I love you so much. And thank you for being on here. And I'm going to throw it over to Sean to close us out. But thank you, babe. Thank you. Thank you so much for the time, Jordan, and, and, and for the lessons. want to um, thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, again, whether you're doing this live or catching us after the fact, want to encourage you to um, support Billy Footwear, uh, which is a, a company that uh, creates adaptive footwear. They're one of our uh, sponsors. Billy is uh, an amazing individual. Um, you click on the link that is in uh, on the screen, and you will also get a 10% discount. Um, and remember, again, questions are more powerful than statements. Um, we should remain... Uh, curious. We should try to be more childlike unless childish. Um, the best of us, we're as close to perfection as as uh, you know as possible when we're born. As we get older, we tend to drift just a little bit. So try to hold on to that innocence as much as you possibly can. And remember that everybody needs the same thing. Everybody needs to be seen, needs to be heard, needs to be loved, and needs to know that they matter. And wherever you are within the sound of our voice, thank you so much, and we love you. We love you. I love you, Joe. Love you. Thank you.